Stinging wave, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means we are live. That means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433 and join in our awesome conversation with myself and my awesome Trek experts. So before we go too far, I'd like to introduce my awesome Trek experts to you guys. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Uh, weather report, we're expecting our first 100 tomorrow. And then we're expecting 110 by Sunday and Monday. So, yeah, we're having a bit of a – we're going to get from a nice low 100 to scorcher for a couple of days. And I bet, we'll, I bet well, we might even share the heat wave with the coast, northwest coast. A little bit. Well, we're we're, we're going to hit the 80s, but we got 171 spore count for the smoke from Canada, which is really really high. So um, we'll have yeah, to see how I've, that goes. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to be interesting to watch, a little off topic, is Chicago is doing a street race for NASCAR this weekend. I'm hoping the pollution level is not high enough that it's going to. De- uh, hurt the race yeah it's awful high so we'll have to wait and see how that affects the fireworks and everything else because this weekend Mm -hmm. is the fourth of july weekend here in the usa so we'll see we were planning on going on a fireworks cruise on lake george but i don't i don't Mm -hmm. know if it's going to happen still between the rain and the and the smoke we'll see and we're going to now, we're going to swing from Vegas all the way out to Oregon, and we're going to say hello to Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Well, Jim, I'm doing pretty good, but I get the sense that you're actually hiding something. Who, me? I would never do that. Never. Yeah, I think you're hiding an affinity for Gilbert and Sullivan musicals, just like me. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. Bam. I'm doing great, guys. I can't wait to talk about this episode. I'm freaking out. It's going to be fun. And uh, also, from Portland, we have our very own Paul, the toy guy. How you doing, Paul? 
Hey, I'm doing good, man. It's been a busy week. It seems as the, they just keep coming these weeks, one after another, trying to top each other in terms of the square volume of activities and <laughs> and chores and things. So it's been a busy week, but uh, but things are good. Things are good and uh, shaping up to uh, to be a, a nice uh, turn of the corner into July here. So so it's good, brother. It's good. And like uh, my friend Eric, I am super looking forward to talking to talking about the episode tonight um really really great and most more importantly you sound crystal clear and crisp like you're in the room right next to me which is awesome well good yeah. i'm using uh same headphones i've always used but i have a different device now and i think that was the the kicker is uh my lovely wife got me a new uh surface laptop and it's nice to have something that's modern and current and uh, and functions like a swiss watch so i th- i think those audio issues are behind us hopefully so it's uh, you're perfect right now which is great <laughs> and we also Thank have you. with us our trifecta from portland we have david the donut guy how you doing david i'm okay i i just had a really busy day today but i got some donuts huh huh and, yeah, and that's some real actual thing. donuts. What? Some actual real donuts from Blue Star. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Blue Star is pretty good. <laughs> wow. Well, guys, I just want to let you know that as of right now, we have 145,660 followers on our Facebook page. Incredible, and 125,258 downloads of our podcast. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for making that possible. So you can head over to our Facebook page, and you can leave your, your – uh, tell us where you're listening from. And if you don't know how to get to our Facebook page, Paul, how the easiest way to get there? Well, uh, what I would do is uh, you can – circumvent the whole Facebook thing uh, entirely if you want to. You don't have to do that. You can do a multitude of myriad different ways. If you want to basically you know, kind of roll up a, a spit wad and flick it at Mark Zuckerberg and say, you know what, dude, I don't need you. You can just go on the inter- internet anywhere you want to. You can go to trektalk.com. Okay, and that's what I would do because that basically is the portal to everything, including lurid and salacious photographs of your Trexpert hosts. So if that doesn't intrigue you enough to make you want to go there, I don't know what will. But there's also the ability to leave us messages, Winget. It's just amazing. Or if you are over 60 and really into Facebook as opposed to Instagram or, you know, TikTok or anything else, and you basically what I would do is you take your your walker and you sort of pull yourself up to the kiosk and the the giant tower that you've got there of your computer and you turn it on and you wait for your, you know – how exactly? Wait for the you know the uh, AOL disk to load, and then you can basically <laughs> you go to mail. Facebook. You've got mail, and you can go to with the Facebook group called Trek Talking, and that's another way you can get there. And then you can do things like chime in on like I, I want to say Friday morning and chime in. Uh, is that right, Jim? On things like you know what did you think of last night's episode? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. things like that, which is yeah. really great because then we're you know, kind of combing over that and we're still processing ourselves. And then we can basically, and like tonight, for example, we're going to be able to talk about uh, the scores and comments that folks like you, our lovely fans 
leave on that Facebook page. So it is a, uh, it's a, it's a Studio 54 of amazing excitement, friends, where things happen, and you need to be one of those people who are there happening the things. So does that answer your question, Jim? Yeah, you, you want to be one of those people that's in the know. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Unexpected things happen on that group all the time. It I just have to say that, that, and that's one of the better responses that I think you've given, Paul, to the question, how do you get to our Facebook page? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I do kind of like to go, you know, on, around. It's like, you know, it's, it's sometimes you have to take the wheel and go off-road a little bit just to kind of, you know – not just be on the freeway. You need to go find and take the uh, Route 66 way, right? Otherwise, you know what, you man? Stuff. It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. It is exactly about the journey. Uh, very much and so. So you know, where no journey, one has gone before. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you go to trektalking.com, like Paul just suggested, uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a blue talkback microphone there, right in the bottom right-hand corner. You can't miss it. If you click on that and you record us a message, you, that's right, you, even if you're not listening live right now, even if it's Tuesday and you're that dude in Australia, doesn't matter. You can go to our Facebook or to trucktalking.com and leave us a message on the talkback mic. If you do that, you just might get a copy of Star Trek Strange New World Season 1 on Blu-ray sent right to your doorstep for absolutely free just for being a fan of the show, just for leaving us a comment on the talk back mic. It's very easy. And I happen to have an example here. Uh, last week, I gave away a copy of Strange New World Season 1 on Blu-ray to Brian, and Brian left us a message. I, I met Brian at Trek Long Island. And he called and left on our page, and this is the message, just to give you an idea. Hey, Uncle Jim, this is Brian Donahue from the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, and I just want to say that Trek Long Island was fantastic. And one of my favorite parts of the whole convention was meeting you, sir. It was such a pleasure meeting you and getting to do that panel on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, what a thrill it was uh, to see the excitement and energy around this underrated film in Star Trek V. It was really cool to see a room that had a lot of people in it, actually, and people engaging in the topic and interested and agreeing with us that Star Trek V is not as bad as everybody thinks it is. So loved the convention, loved meeting Stephanie and Edwin and all the actors and the other podcasters like yourself. Uh, just a pleasure. So Godspeed, Kapla, my friend. Hope you're doing well. So you can go and leave us a message, and you too can win a copy of Strange New World just like Brian did. So head over there right now and do it, and then come back next week, and you'll hear your message played live. So with all the housekeeping out of the way, what exactly are we going to be discussing tonight? Well, we have a lot of great stuff. First of all, we're going to talk about last week's episode of Strange New World, because as Paul told you, tomorrow morning I will put up on the Facebook page a, a question asking you guys to score the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. So if I put that up tomorrow, we can't talk about it tonight because tomorrow hasn't gotten here yet. So 
That'll be next week. So we're a week behind. So we're going to be talking about last week's episode at Astra Per Asperia. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But wait, there's more. We also have Star Trek news. And the breaking news, of course, is the cancellation of Star Trek Prodigy. I do have some other stories that I wanted to talk about, but I feel that the Star Trek Prodigy thing is more important. Um, So I, I don't want to cut us off on that. But depending on how long the Star Trek Prodigy discussion goes, uh, we do have some other stories that we might get around to, like the Star Trek Discovery Black Alert game. Uh, Patrick Stewart is thinking about another Star Trek movie. There's some other things we were going to talk about, but I think Prodigy is more important. Would you guys not agree? I concur. I think it is. It's. Uh, I think if you you know take the pulse of most folks, certainly on our page. You know, amongst the truck experts, and uh, and I think just in general, I think it's uh, it's it's really just the only word for me is just shocking. People are yeah. you know really uh, really quite yeah. unhappy about this, and it's just it's unexpected, and it it it's a decision made by somebody who just doesn't understand the freaking franchise. It seems to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they're willing, if they are capable. I mean, I'm getting way ahead of us, but it's just I think we're I, I'm totally with you, Jim. It's I think we should devote you know, pole position to talking about it, because if they're willing to do something like that, that's not misguided. What else are they willing to do? talk about rug from under your feet? Yeah. So it, it just shows to show, you know, I mean, there's all, well, I think we're going to really get into it and have a lot to say, but, uh, but it was, uh, you know, really, uh, and I, I just think it's a, it's a great big slap across the face of the, uh, of the fan community who have been, you know, discovering the show and supporting it. And uh, we've been lucky enough to have Aaron Walkie on this show, right? Who's a just top dollar individual and just knows the franchise backwards and forwards. So we'll talk about it, but, uh, but hopefully some other entity will grab hold of that and, and recognize it for what it is. And it will continue yeah. in a different place, which, which it certainly is worthy of. So, I mean, a lot of other lesser shows have gotten sacked and ended up, you know, getting cherry picked at places. So hopefully that will happen here, but man, I'm with you, dude. We need to talk about it. Yeah. But first yeah. we need to talk about More last later. Week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to cut it. I don't want to cut it short. So, um, all of the other truck stories that I had lined up for this week, um, we can bounce them to next week if we need to, yeah. because I think talking prodigy is important. But we got a lot of show to go through first before we get to that. So why don't we just dive right in? Every week, you guys can go to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening from. Um, I pick 15, or I'm sorry, I pick 20 lucky people. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, you want to tune in next week because you will be featured in a future fan shout-out. So, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs? Oh, that's one of my favorite parts of the show, Jim. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to top fan Maria Alice Becudo Nuguiera. And uh, I did my best. Uh, but you are from Brazil, and you are a top fan. And when you're a top fan, that means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page. And you are not our only supporter uh, down there in Brazil, one of those places I cannot wait to go myself. Thank you so much for supporting us there. Live long and prosper to you, Maria. Also saying hello this week and sending out a big shout-out to Kevin Brem. Kevin Brem, who's saying hello to us from Antwerp. 
Belgium, the other big city in Belgium, uh, not the not the Brussels one, not the one that sounds like the things that you eat that are, you know, the, made of fishy stuff, but Kevin Brem, you're from Antwerp, <laughs> and it looks like one of those places that I would love to go. Uh, it's got water, looks like it's got canals, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff going on there, so uh, thank you, Kevin, so much for supporting us in that uh, land between lands right there. Uh, we really appreciate it. Also saying hello this week to top fan Glenda Kachunk. And uh, Glenda, this has been kind of the source of uh, a lot of interesting conversations in the background here prior to the show because uh, you told us that you were from Goldboro, North Kakilaki. <laughs> and we did our best. We did our best trying to research where exactly that is. And I think that Charles wins the prize. Charles estimated that you're probably from Goldsboro, North Carolina. So, Glenda Kachuk, thank you so much for listening to us, presumably from Goldsboro, North Carolina. You also are a TAP fan. We really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. And my last fan shout-out goes out to Lillian Van Eaton. Lillian Van Eaton, who's saying hello to us from Hungary, Eastern Europe there. Thank you so much, Lillian, for listening to us and carrying that flag out there in Hungary. Charles, I'm going to pass this shout-out megaphone over to you, sir. Okay, thank you. Well, I'm going to start off with a couple of top fans right off the bat. Let's start off one with Steve Jensen from Marion, Texas. I'm not part, sure exactly what part Marion is, but I know a lot of Texans caught up in the heat wave, so I hope you're staying cool over there. Top fan also, Tammy Lawrence from West Virginia. Welcome, Tammy. I've got friends across, I've got some family across the border in Virginia from you. Greetings to Andrea Beekmeyer from Kansas. Okay, she's still in Kansas. And Al Fisher from Minnesota. How's it going in Minnesota? I hope none of you are caught up with all the smoke from the East Coast. I know I'm happy we're on the West Coast and not getting it this time. Uh, no, the fires from Arizona haven't gotten up this far to us yet. So I'm going to take this megaphone and toss it over to David. Don't hit the buzzer. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> My first shout-out is to Ken Duffy from Texas. Next is Susie Crawford from Illinois. Next is Glenn Pilgrim from Mississippi. And last on my list is Kimberly Harkarek from Pennsylvania. Paul, who's on your list? Well, it's always great to do this segment, friends, because we get to be reminded of how many different amazing countries there are on this planet and that how many folks there are spread across the globe who share our common interests. You're like, oh, what will I have in common with somebody from like El Salvador or Hungary or Russia, right? Well, guess what? You can sit in a room and sit down together and have a meal and have a lot in common if you are fans of Star Trek. And it turns out that we have a lot in common. Uh, with a lot of people all over the globe, which is a, a heartening thing to remember sometimes. So I'm particularly fond of this segment, and we've got some great fans all across uh, the world here. First of all, from uh, the lovely land of Tromso, Norway, 
uh, flashing the live long and prosper sign. It is our good friend Patrick Kasparski who is saying hello to us. Norway is one of the most just jaw-droppingly gorgeous places on the planet. I mean, it is just, you know, top three for me in terms of places where I'm pretty sure I could be happy retiring. It is just absolutely spectacular. Patrick gets to enjoy that on a daily basis. So good for you, brother. <laughs> I'd like to also send a big kapla to uh, another fantastic uh, part of the world, a place that is very high on my list of very immediate soon to be visited destinations fantastic nation of france uh so it is jan baquet uh saying hello to us there with a little wink of hello from Soulange. uh jan thank you so much for saying hello and then we have top fan pia pisan lunka from Gothenburg, sweden Sweden is another fantastic Norwegian country. I'm a big fan of a lot of the movies and TV series that come out of Sweden. I don't know if any of my fellow Trexperts have dived into Wallander or not. If you have not, I highly recommend it. Uh, Great stuff. Really, really awesome. There's several different versions out there. The original Swedish version and then a slightly anglicized version as well that's also in Sweden, but really, really amazing. But great filmmaking happening there, right, Pia Pisan? I think so. And then finally for me, uh, south of the uh, border there, we're going down to the outstanding uh, country of Peru. And we have top fan Ezequiel Montoya, who is saying hello to us, uh, flag billowing in the wind proudly, an absolutely spectacular uh, place. Uh, wow. If I would, uh, I, I have a thing for altitude. I like high altitude and, uh, you got the Andes in Peru, which is pretty uh, tempting. Cool. Uh, I'm, I'm a little frightened. architecture too. Amazing, yeah. amazing architecture. Seriously. I'm a little intimidated by some of those stone staircases I've seen in like yeah. the Andes. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if, uh, if you take a bad step, <laughs> you need a lot of bubble wrap to save yourself. Is what I think. So I don't, I'm a little nervous of it, but I'm also really attracted to it. And everything I've seen, uh, all these uh, locations here are just places that I would just be just stunned to be able to gaze upon in reality. But Peru is a pretty astonishing place. So from uh, from Norway to France to Sweden and to Peru, we've got fans all over the place, top fans, regular fans. What do we have in common? We're all Star Trek fans. And we are united by our love of that amazing storytelling. Isn't that right, Jim? Absolutely, and I'm going to continue on with some more awesome Star Trek fans. First of all, we'd like to say thank you so much to Michael Meyer, who's listening to us in Oakland, Maine. Oakland, Maine, but maybe I will. We also want to say thank you and kapwa to Jennifer Finnan, who's listening to us. Where, Charles? Ah, she said Las Vegas. I'm not familiar with the person, but... Maybe she needs to start looking up the USS Las Vegas. It's a big town. Yeah. Las Vegas. So thank you, Jennifer. We also want to say thank you and complot to John Erickson, who's listening to us in Coffeyville, Kansas. Thank you so much, John. And last but definitely not least, we want to say kapla and live long and prosper to Hoff Lawhorn, who's listening to us in Lorraine, Ohio. As I said earlier, if you'd like to hear your name mentioned in a future fan shout-out, 
head over to our Facebook page. There's a post pinned right to the top of the page. And just tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart next to your name. And speaking of our Facebook page, you may have noticed we're pretty interactive on this podcast with you guys, the fans. We love to hear from you guys, and we love to share your opinions. And every week on Friday, so tomorrow, I'll post about tonight's episode. Uh, I put a post on Facebook and ask you guys to score the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. And then I collate all those scores, and we read some of them off on the show, and we come up with a fan score for the episode based on what you guys said. And, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about last week's episode? Well, Jim, it's quite the turnaround from last week. Top fan Jan Payne says, I'll give it a 9. It brings the whole story about Commander Una's past to the surface of her life before Starfleet, and Starfleet became her home, and she had plenty of support from her shipmates who supported her and trusted her. Uh, totally agree, Jan. David Doridi said 10+, maybe the best single episode of Star Trek ever. Really good storyline in this episode. Top fan Chad Horsley gave it a 10. I thought it was one of the best Star Trek episodes and proves the Federation isn't perfect, and I loved it. Top fan Sally S. Chumbly gave it a 10 as well. Well-written, significant issue, uncertainty to conclusion, great acting. Mm, very interesting, Sally. Thank you so much. Walter Wurzberger said it's a 10 gave insight into most characters, spoke of a very timely topic, but didn't beat it into the audience. Strange New Worlds is Star Trek without being preachy. Much respect to the writers and cast and crew. Top fan Brian Kane said a solid nine. Good character development for Una. Another classic Star Trek courtroom episode. I love the moment with Pike and Una at the end. He was so worried about her, and you could feel his relief and gratitude. My only real knock is that we knew how it would turn out from the beginning. It needs some stakes. Mm, interesting question, Brian, or uh, interesting observation, and I absolutely uh, want to talk a little bit about that. Top fan Mikhail W. Smith said it was great Trek. I give it a 9.5. Frank Wormsley said, I think a 7 was warranted. The writers need better experience writing for a courtroom scene. The aha moment was non-existent, although they tried to make it such. The fact that the number of objections made and then ignored – the hand on the lighted truth indicator that never once changed color. The force your defendant to confess was all, eh. The subject was known, and how they were going to use it was well known as well. The fact that they were carrying around large printed law books was ludicrous. The doctor did not carry around a Gray's Anatomy book. The chief engineer does not carry around a large warp core repair manual. The navigator does not refer to an owner's manual on how to go into warp. I do see that they left a few stories, though, to come back to later this season. Thanks, Frank. Top fan Trevor Bergman said Solid 8, very touching story and cleverly written. William Joseph gave it a 10. This is how you shine a light on oppression and discrimination, subtlety, and with reason, not the way it's done today by jamming your cause down people's throats. 
Some have to be led gradually into the light. Timothy Martin Daher said, I give it an 8.5, although I love Rebecca. Her character has been mysterious. The writers need to feature her more and give her character more depth. The social commentary on current issues is classic Star Trek. However, we are way beyond classic Star Trek. This is nearly 50 years into Trek, and newer ways to get the message across are needed. This writing staff should identify their two best actors and write the shows around them. Once we, the audience, gets to the empathetic stage, all the dramas will be more effective because we will care about them deeper. Nurse Chapel barely had a line, even though last show she was featured. This crew has brought new traits to their established characters, and that is fresh. To those whom seek classic Trek, put on the reruns. You will notice how cheesy some of the things were done with today's newer technology and film editing and special effects, making it more about all the new alien cultures and their parallels to humankind might make for better plots and give the crew a chance to react with it. I am not dissing the show. I love all Star Trek shows. I'm just giving my critique as asked. Timothy, ah, what a great review. Very detailed. Thank you so much. And uh, last but not least, top fan Robbie Dufield said uh, a 10. When you think about it, a lot of sci-fi shows don't have this craft and wouldn't spend 45 minutes in a courtroom debating issues. It really makes Trek special. Highlight performances and a great back and forth between characters. And that, you guys, gives us a fan score of uh, 9.3, which is way more in line with what we have seen from Strange New Worlds in the past. Uh, as we all know, last week's 7.5 was well below anything we had seen before, and a 9.3 kind of scores uh, right in the middle to the kind of upper range of previous episodes. So um, pretty cool, given that it was uh, an A story only, right? <laughs> no B story. One One classic Star Trek thing. No B story, only an A story. So, uh, I, you know, before we talk about it, we probably should talk about the history of the courtroom drama in Star Trek. Right, Charles? No, definitely. Well, I decided to go right off with Okay, courtroom cases. Want to look up a couple of courtroom cases and look up and look up. And it's like, okay, I didn't realize there were quite so many courtroom cases through Star Trek history. First one we run into, make sure I've got these in in order. I think the first one we actually run into was the Menagerie. Season one, episode 11 and 12 where Spock is once again court-martialed for taking a ship. <laughs> I guess for the second time in his career. Yep. Which we find out was a complete hoax. Later that season, we have court-martial, season one, episode 20. And we get to Next Generation. And, of course, the first episode we get to see on Next Generation is a form of a court case. Encounter Farpoint, episodes one and two. One of our favorites that we love debating, 
TNG is Measure, a Man, Measure of a Man, Season 2, Episode 9. We always talk about it really kicked off after Season 3. There's some good episodes in there in the first and second seasons that they don't talk. We just don't remember, realize we're there. And in Season 3, A Matter of Perspective, Episode 14. And on to Season 4. Episode 21, Drumhead. And then Season 5, Episode 19, First Duty. Then we work over to DS9, first season. Season 1, Episode 8, Dax. See, uh, season 2, Episode 25, with Tribunal. And then Season 4, Episode 18, Rules of Engagement. Voyager had one main case in there, which was Desh, Death Wish, Season 2, Episode 17, which we've had discussion with before about. Enterprise, Discuss Judgment, Season 2, Episode 19. Discovery, had a pretty good one in Unification Part 3, Season 3, Episode 7. And some other topics you run into. The Illyrians. We first will learn about the Illyrians and damage in Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 19. Strange New Worlds, last season, Season 1, Episode 3, Ghosts of Illyria, which we had definitely an interesting introduction to it. One I didn't put down, but I think we could throw in there with Illyrians in its own way, uh, Dr. Bajir, I, I presume, from DS9, where we talked about his augmentations. Still illegal. Still illegal. But then we talk about illegal. Look what they did with uh, since. They made them illegal for a while, and poor Picard was, an, I guess, an illegal alien because he was a synth. And, of course, we did talk about Khan a little bit, which takes us back to TOS Spacey, Season 1, Episode 22, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I couldn't find the issue because I think I rented it. But if you go back early in the 2000s to IDW, there was a good comic series in there about some of the origins of Khan. And we've talked about where the War of the Eugenics, there's never been an official series on it that they've talked about doing it one time. I wish they would. I would yeah. love to know more history about the eugenics wars. Yeah, Charles, that series, as I remember, is called Star Trek Con Ruling in Hell. I think it's from like 2010, 2011, something like that. Yeah. It's all about what it's like on SETI Alpha 5 or 6. Or I always get it mixed up. Which one does Four. he actually end up on? Four? SETI six? Four, five? I believe. <laughs> There's just SETI Alpha 5. Five, right? He's on five, but four is destroyed. Got it. Okay, yeah. I think so it's three and a half. Pretty good comic, though. Yes, I I realized I think I rented at the times was not in my library, so I couldn't go look it up directly. But there's a lot of good information out there. 
So I think maybe it might be a good time to actually talk about the episode. Absolutely. So who wants to uh, – <clears throat> last week I was I kind of jumped in because I just felt like I needed to talk. I had some things going on. So uh, who wants to jump in and start? Charles? Uh, okay, I guess I can start us off. I kind of agree with a couple of the fans in there in this episode. It was a good episode, but to bring a book out to look up the things, like, why didn't we bring a pad? We still actually, we had to go, we had to go to the replicator to bring that book out. Can I, wait, wait, wait. Can I answer that question straight away? McCoy literally gives Kirk a set of eyeglasses, okay? We have old tech in Star Trek that shows up all right. the time. The book did not bother me one bit. Yeah, same here. Well, yeah, and that was something that was a, it was a huge piece the, of the, the original court-martial episode from the original series, totally, right? Totally, which need, he does I mean, bring it out. Yep. The guy's office is, like, full of books, and he actually monologues about the importance of books versus books. technology. So it's yep. really – it's really it, – I mean, it's a dramatic conceit, right? I mean, we know literally – that in that in you know uh, that everyone would have like a you know beyond a I mean we live in a world of PDFs guys I mean come yeah on. sure but it's but you know it's just but but it's it's a symbol it's a visual medium right and a book is something visual and tangible it's a great storytelling device that represents you know law you know and uh, and a and a cool image so it's not like so much a literal thing I don't think no and sophisticated fans get the tie into court martial so yeah. Also represent knowledge too. Mm-hmm. And and books are not unforeseen in Star Trek. Picard had them, Kirk True. had them, Spock had one, um, Captain Giorgio had them in her quarters. So we've seen the a Gorn lot of captains on Star Trek with books. So I it didn't bother yep. me that they had a book. I was just so. surprised at a big legal book like that being brought out. <clears throat> The fact that she walks well, in yep. and says, "Bring me the, bring me the Muck Muck Mao book, like volume nine of the thing," that I kind of like that. Like it was, you know, a little surprising maybe in terms of like the actual literal timing and stuff. But it was one of those things that kind of like sets you up for the episode, right? Bring me, bring me the stuff. I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to dig in, find the loopholes that are going to get my client off. The only thing about that scene that maybe, maybe I thought was when um, when the lawyer asked Captain Patella, familiar with regulation 1814-87, and she says yes, and she hands well. the book and says, can you read it to me? And I'm thinking, well, wouldn't Captain Patella know that, the rules? And she's, you know, she's prosecuting this, you know, Una for violating them. Wouldn't she know them? I'm like, you know, we, she wouldn't have had to read them out of the book. Well, it's true, Jim, but the but the burden of proof is on her at that point, and so she has to read it or else it's all hearsay as to whether her memory is accurate or not. But yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> hey, that, that's just a minor, minor yeah, thing yeah. to me. But, but I also, you know, she should have known it. it. I also thought it interesting that when <sighs> – she was accused of badgering her client, and we cannot persecute April, and yet 
the Vulcan lawyer was ready to sit there and persecute Pike and the entire crew. Yeah. And somebody then that, and that he's allowed to get away with that. She couldn't. Well, and I've I've watched enough like L.A. law to know that that kind of comparison to some other precedent while the person is on the stand is pretty common in these types of shows. And I 100 percent agree with you, Charles. I loved it that the Vulcan kind of does exactly what he says. Yeah. <laughs> this shouldn't well, be he's done. doing that and it's like, OK, <laughs> yeah. we were opposed to doing that and they're letting yeah. him to get away with it, get away with it. Just but, goes to show that Vulcans are sneaky bastards. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did, like, note, I did like the I wanted to add on that note. Him and Spock. Yeah, absolutely. What did people think about Spock's outburst? <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When he stands, I'm sorry you had to witness that. And what was really cool about it was, you know, you've got Ortegas who's being a little snarky about it and kind of like yeah. reading, reading the room in the way that she knows how to read the room. And then uh, it turns out Mbenga is the one who's got real knowledge. And if I if I remember correctly, isn't there something – from the original series where the Mbenga from the original series, like, I don't know, trained at a Vulcan facility or yeah. was like involved. Yeah. They, in they referenced that for sure. Yeah. Okay. He's got a little bit more insight and experience up close with Vulcans than, than most. Yeah. Things, so. Yeah. So I thought that was super cool that he points it out and he's like, Oh no, 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 you don't understand. Some shit is going down right now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that was very clever, and it's it's just good filmmaking because so much of it was just visual, and it I like that they take your you know expectations and turn them upside down, right, right. But basically, like you're watching nothing happen, and it ends up being a big thing the way it is, right? I mean, it's very clever and very very. That I think we'll get into that a lot, but I just think this, uh, you know, for me, this was an episode where the writing really came forward. Right. I mean, yeah. this is somebody who clearly, you know, the the person who, who wrote this or persons who wrote this uh, obviously loves books and writing and, you know, classical, you know, dramatic structure and, you know, the old school way of storytelling that, that was, you know, so popular in the original series. And it's just it was just such a well-written uh, episode. Really, really great. Just super refreshing. And it reminded me. It reminded me an awful lot of Measure of a Man, like Charles just mentioned earlier, because Captain Patella kind of reminded me of Riker. She was doing her job, but she didn't really want she wasn't she didn't want to do it, but she had to do it, and that's why she told Captain Pike, "If you go on the stand, this is what they're going to ask you." And of course, the Vulcan went there, and you could see yeah. that she didn't want to go there intentionally and so i thought that was great because i saw a lot of Riker parallel with the measure of a man going on in that episode you know that's a cool observation jim because i think that she absolutely was like Riker. i think she was like a combination of Riker and picard from that episode right because she she Riker in that episode measure of a man kind of sets the state like he he does a really good job arguing against data, which is what he's supposed to do, right? He's supposed to mm-hmm. be the prosecutor. Um, but he leaves enough kind of breadcrumbs behind that 
Picard can kind of come up behind him and be like, oh, pick these up, and yet yeah, that's my point, and that's my point, and that's my point. And she is like a combination of those two characters here. She sets it up, and then she knocks her own ball out of the park. Yeah, and like Paul said, like Paul was saying, I think that it was so well written because she goes to Pike's quarters later, and, and she's all upset because Una rejected her offer that she worked really, really, really hard and pulled in a lot of strings to get. And Pike's like, good, good, he did. So I I really like the fact, you know, because we know, we know that those two are lovers. They're, you know, they're together. Oh, sorry. They're a pseudo couple. I don't know what's power couple. What would you call them? (laughs) You know, power couple, captain couple. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But they, they have a relationship. So, Dating. Seeing that, you know, yeah, sorry. go I've, back and forth, I, was, I thought was great. I was obviously talking about Nira, the 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 lawyer. Sorry if I got mixed up about who we were talking about there. But the, the woman who knocked it out of the park was Nira, obviously. Yeah, the lawyer. The, the lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yep. Go ahead, Charles. Sorry, sorry we jumped no. in. That's okay. Go ahead and keep going. But I, I also like... I also like how Pike and April had a little uh, quibble about that, too. When when April goes to Pike's quarters and Pike pours him a drink and he walks out and won't take it. It was just pissing off everybody left and right, wasn't he? Yeah, and, you know, I think April was kind of justified in feeling a little bit set up in that situation. Um, I What's interesting is that I'm still kind of feeling out April as a character. Um, he's shown up a few times. You kind of, um, I, in past shows, I've gotten the sense that he is a rule follower, a person who passes along orders, um, you know, allows Pike a little bit of levity, but does, but like generally speaking, wants to do what Starfleet says uh, needs to be done, except that wasn't it last week that he just let uh, <laughs> yeah. off the hook for one Your hangover is your punishment. <laughs> so, so we already know that you could do whatever you want with April, um, except so that I, I guess, I don't know. The point is that April's line moves all over the place, and I think that the lawyer this week does an excellent job of exploiting that fact. And and that's why, Paul, when you and I chatted earlier this week and you said, well, why wasn't this week's episode the season opener, I will say that in my mind's eye um, that last week's episode kind of sets the precedent for April in some ways and the ways that he reacts in this episode. So I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if that's a good enough reason to not make this one the season opener versus last week's, but it's one of the things that I saw as a like uh, a seasonal arc thing rather what? than a within the episode arc thing. Hmm. But I don't. I also think that if we don't have if that's episode one, why is Pike off and away somewhere else? and not the ship to prevent Spock from taking the ship. If we have a reason why Pike's away, then Spock's got his chance of taking the ship. But I think if we flip-flop the episodes, why is Pike uh, on the ship? Well, he's defending, he's been defending Una. Well, Una's already back on the ship. Well, no, she's not. 
Well, I, yeah. I want speaking of speaking of Una and April. The interesting fact that I found out in that was that April served. I mean, Una served under April for five years prior to come to being on the Enterprise with Pike. I had no idea that she'd been on the Enterprise that long. Yeah, not well, only that. Fine. I was gonna say not not only that, but we actually learned that she's been in Starfleet for twenty five years. So yeah. she's already been around the way quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, how some folks, you know, join Starfleet and 25 years later are still lieutenant commanders and, you know, some people get promoted to captain within a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's ability. I don't know. You know, a really good point that, uh, that we just talked about a couple of minutes ago was like when, uh, you know, they offer her the deal. Right. Oh, you know, if you just do this, you get a walk away without charges. Right. She's like, no, I'm not doing that. It's like she's a person of ethics. And I mean, I think we got some good character building. I think I still think there's a lot about her. We don't know. I think there's a lot Mm. more room to really provide better character development there. But I think we really saw that here's a person who, um, you know, when uh, compromise is not her thing. Right. And that she's perfectly willing to. Uh, you know, incur the wrath of potentially, you know, years in prison, right? And and take an even more serious uh, turn, even like sedition gets thrown at her because she's not willing to just play ball and compromise. And I like that. I like that she's stubborn and that she's got her own code that she lives by, right? Somebody like that's probably going to have all kinds of situations that despite her stellar record, you know, maybe for whatever reason, she's made some choices that uh, just have gotten in the way of her uh, advancing up the ranks. Maybe advancing isn't her deal. Maybe that's not what she's in it for. Mm-hmm. Right? She's yeah. not as, it's like well, having her own command isn't her thing. Making a difference and helping others, that seems yeah. to be more her deal. Isn't that what the episode's called? Isn't that the phrase she used? What was that phrase? Um, Astra Prasra? No, no, no. Hardship. What it meant, sorry. Because I thought she was just in it to go explore and, you know. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that's what one of the things that makes this episode so special because it highlights the Federation as this utopian ideal that Una was drawn to despite the fact that she grew up in a place where it almost seemed like there was Federation oppression. Like that to me was the magic of this episode was there was there was both the fact that she was growing up under this yoke and she saw Starfleet as a like ideal to which she needed to aspire. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's both. That's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she wanted to become captain at all. She was just wanting to stay in Starfleet well, as long as possible. No, I think that's a good observation well, that that Paul made about like why some people yeah. you know become captains and why some people don't become captains because you you sometimes you are more effective when you're second in command. Kind of like the Riker thing. Yeah, totally. Before he became a captain, he was a commander for a long time. Yeah. Well, he specifically refused uh, promotions. um, And, and I don't think that we got a full unpacking of that in TNG. We got, we kind of got like a little bit of unpacking of that, but I honestly think that if we were to really, if we were to have Star Trek Riker, (laughs) <laughs> one of the big like 
through lines would be why did Riker never accept uh, promotion? You know, was it just because um, Picard was that good, or was it just because he was afraid of actually taking the the helm him or the the command himself? You know, who knows? <laughs> hmm. Well, I think the real reason is if he took a command, he'd be off the show. So I think that's the real reason. <laughs> well, Jim, we don't like to talk about reality. Okay. Right. So, so let's let's but just I, talk about well can we talk about the big big issues that are brought up in this episode by specifically the lawyer um you know I think one of the Yeah. because that to me that's that that I just had a big argument with someone on Facebook about that very you guys are aware that it's pride month right Obviously. Yeah. Yeah sure. And I I don't know well, if you saw uh, but I found I found Many. this really awesome pride image, uh, and and each one of the letters had a Star Trek character on it. Did you see that post I put on Facebook? Oh, the one yeah. with Q in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I've got like one hundreds of. Uh, I just I have to spend hours deleting people because they're obnoxious and awful, terrible people. But um, so I, I put that up and. So I really wanted to talk about that topic because, in my opinion, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna piss off some people probably, but if it pisses you off, that's good because you should be pissed off. When she was mentioning apartheid and she's mentioning uh, a discrimination slavery. based on race and slavery and all these different things, she mentioned sexual orientation, and you don't have to go further than what then outlawing the word gay. All the crazy things that are going on, the attacks right now today that want that are going on against the LGBTQ plus community that that states want to legalize. You know, it, it's it's okay for a baker not to make a cake for a gay wedding. That's that's legal. All these things that she's mentioning are extremely relevant to what's going on in the world right now today. Trans Americans are under attack daily. You know, now we got this new drag queen thing because all drag queens are pedophiles or whatever craziness they they want to make law. And here we have a Star Trek episode that that plucked this right out of the headlines of, of any paper. And to me, that's what we need more of in Star Trek. That's when Star Trek is the best. Because if it's pissing people off and it's making people talk, thing right. So Jim, would you guys agree? I would totally agree with you, but I want to talk about a almost like double standard that I see around that that I don't completely understand. So when we looked at our Facebook comments this week, overwhelmingly what people were saying was, um, you know, generally speaking, this episode offers social commentary without beating you over the head. And every time that we talked about a Star Trek Discovery episode that we thought offered social commentary, the response from the Star Trek fans was, this is beating you over the head. And so what I am wondering is, does Star Trek Strange New Worlds actually do it differently from what Star Trek Discovery did, um, number one? And if they don't, if it's, a, if it's essentially the same you know, message, I guess, does the deliverer of the message 
matter? Does it matter who's featured in the episode? Does it matter? Absolutely. Uh, that, that's, you know, so yeah, let's talk about that. That's that's that right there is is the root of the whole issue, because if Una was a member of the LGBTQ plus community, if the lawyer was a member of the community, if Hella was a trans character, um, you know, yeah. like we see on Discovery, then they'd be shoving it down your throat and beating you over the head with it. Right, right. Okay, but because it was never, you know, well, we don't really know because Strange New Worlds intentionally stays away from that, but so people look at these characters and they don't see, oh, it's a gay lawyer. Oh, it's a gay engineer. Oh, so they look at it different than they do with Discovery. And that, that was one of the arguments I was having on Facebook with somebody else. Discovery hits you over the head with it, but Strange New World doesn't. I'm like, really? It's really? the same thing. And see, I, yeah. I think what we see a lot, and it's, it's, it's odd, because the way, you know, we're, we're you know, art, infiltrates society, right? And it reflects society. No matter what we, we, we say, I mean, people are going to have a reaction to it, which is what's supposed to happen. And with uh, people, it, it's really interesting to see how people will subjectively interpret something, right? It's when, what I see happening is on discovery, okay? I mean, different writing styles across the beam, right? On, on both these shows, clearly. Um, not that different cast. But they're different writing styles. But um, what uh, Discovery has done very, I think, effectively and necessarily is it has put characters out there and had them declare themselves, right, if you will, um, to proudly stand up and, you know, say, I exist, I matter, I'm not going to hide who I am. You know, it's just like, you know, and to have two characters on the show have a very just matter of fact, you know, gay relationship to adult male men. Right. And that is, they're, they're proud about it. They're matter of fact about it. They're just out there about it. It's like, it's no big deal, but we're certainly not going to hide it and pretend that we're not. Right. And so the declaring of self and the proudly standing up for oneself, there's a certain segment of the audience that no matter what, they see that as hitting me over the head, right? Because their idea is they don't want you to, to, to speak out. It's like, well, you should know your place, your uppity, you know, that kind of language, right? You should basically be quiet because if you speak out and declare yourself, some, for some reason there's just a huge chunk of folks in the society right now who are super threatened by that and afraid of that. And that's where we get into trouble is because it's like if another person's standing up for themselves and, you know, d d decreeing that, you know, I, I, I matter and, if, and it's great that I'm going to celebrate my, you know, my pride and that we as a, as a Facebook group are going to embrace that and say it's awesome because, you know, it's, it's the, the rights of every living person, you know, but it's just like it's, it's doesn't take away from you and your rights if somebody else gets more rights previously been denied what's the old cliche meme it's not pie right if somebody else gets more rights you're not losing any right so why do you have to like be like a cranky you know old man about it 
you know, and life progresses, life changes. But this whole concept of like hitting you over the head with it, I don't think anyone's hitting you over the head with it. I think people are just standing up and insisting to be treated equally. And people put that label on it. I see that happening discovery a lot. Well, let me ask you, Paul, one of the things that I, that, that someone on our Facebook page was saying was the fact that um, in Star Trek in the future, it wouldn't matter if they were gay or trans or whatever, because in the future, none of that matters. Uh, so why don't they, why aren't they just making them doctors and engineers? Why are they going out of their way to say ah. that they're gay ah. or they're trans when it, it, when it doesn't, when it doesn't matter Pike, in the future? Pike has and, literally already taught us this lesson. <laughs> Pike literally and, was the one who said it does matter. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, like, this, uh, because, because, because Star Trek is written for an audience of today. That's and, and exactly it. Honestly, if it was completely written about characters in the future, we wouldn't even be able to relate to it because it would be completely alien to us. We have to be the able best. to relate to it as an audience. And yeah, exactly, the, exactly. The, you know, the best science fiction and, and the best Star Trek in particular, what, what, what it does is it's a mirror to society. Okay. That's, that's, you know, yeah. going back to the episodes where you had Frank Gorshin was half black and half white. Right. I mean, the, the, all of the different things you could name across the beam from all the different aspects of the franchise, this is nothing new. And it drives me crazy when uh, cranky fans, let's just say that uh, cranky fans or intolerant fans say, Oh, this new Star Trek's been doing this. I'm like, dude, this has been going on since season one. Of, you know, in 1966. I mean, this is nothing new. This is what's been going on. It's just for whatever reason, you're threatened by it. You're you're put off by it. You're you know, there seems to be a whole lot of fear in the water that that colors people's inability to let somebody else have the same rights that they do. And uh, I, you know, I I I really hope. Uh, I don't know that we know a hundred percent. This is the last season of Discovery. Uh, I think is a pretty good shot that it is, but I, I really hope that they go out guns blazing and just go for it, and and certainly don't you know pull back because they're you know oh gee we're really concerned about the ratings because a bunch of you know uh, old white guys in like Alabama have you know no offense Alabama but uh, you know what I'm saying who are like you know are just cranky and you know not watching the show there's plenty of other things you can watch go watch those absolutely you know and, but and, it's just uh, like but there's I, I different I I want to make sure we can talk about prodigy so um and we're yeah. running out of time quick here so um, I want to get our uh, Great. from everybody about the episode. David, what would you give this on a scale of 1 to 10, buddy? Well, I think you all know what my answer is going to be 10. Uh, 10. <laughs> Probably so one of got the best one episodes. Ten. Yeah. How about you, Charles? Uh, I'm probably going to surprise people, but I'm going to go about an 8.5. I think some of the courtroom, courtroom courtroom case, I think, went a little longer than it needed to go. All right. How about you, Paul? Ten. Absolutely. Uh, This belongs on the same shelf with, you know, classic episodes as like like the ones Charles reflected on in Cadet Trading, A Measure of a Man, The Drumhead, The Original Court Martial. This belongs right there. It is about something. It's about uh, where we are now. 
as a society, where we're going, what we want the future to look like, and the dignity of all living beings. So uh, classic Star Trek, certainly one of the best episodes Strange New Worlds has produced, uh, yet easily a 10. More of the same, please. All right. How about you, Eric? Uh, I will absolutely give this a 9.8. I would push it to a 10 if it included just a little bit more, even more representation in the way that Discovery would do. I'm going to miss Discovery like crazy. It has been a groundbreaking show. I agree with Paul. I hope that they do not let off the gas in terms of where they were going. Um, it, it's the one show that like pushed the limits beyond the limits. So uh, to me, this could have been a 10, but uh, it is a 9.8, which is by far my highest score on any episode uh, so, of this show so far. So Eric, would you push it to a 10 if they added Perry Mason in it? <laughs> <laughs> only if played, uh, you know, only if Spock had a part. Yeah. <laughs> well, inside joke there, folks. Well, I I was gonna go. I, I well, I just I do want to make two points that I didn't get. Well, three. First of all, I thought it was really strange. I don't know if anyone else noticed this. The focus of the camera really was odd because you'd have, you'd have someone in the foreground and someone in the background. And the camera would, fo- would would go out of focus and focus on the person in the back, and it kind of threw well, me off how the camera kept changing. I, I don't like when they it's do that. It's called rack focus. Yeah, I, I and mean, I'll say I actually feel the opposite about it, Jim, because I actually find it visually interesting to sometimes be able to focus on a character who's in the background versus a character that's in the foreground. So I, I was in. Yeah, agree. Well, I don't mind. I, I don't mind when they when they do it. Because if they do it right, I don't notice it. But when they do it endlessly to the point that I'm aware that they're doing it, then I'm aware that they're doing it, and it bugs me. So I, I would say, Jim, you it. you better not watch Succession. <laughs> yeah, that's so got a lot that, of it. That, yeah, kinda, they 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 handheld yeah. and push in with that lens like there's no tomorrow in that show. So yeah, that, that little, kind little of bothered me. I didn't like that. <laughs> that that bugged me. The other thing that. <laughs> that kind of I thought was strange and kind of bugged me a little bit was that the earth was never moving and the stars were never moving. It was a static photo behind them. The Enterprise never moved. And I'm like, that got me because even on TNG, they moved the star field behind the Enterprise. But here we are, $6 million an episode, and they put a static picture behind the Enterprise that doesn't move. That was kind of weird. Wow. I thought. Well, yeah. you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering because of the first episode, were they in orbit of the planet or were they in dock? Well, either way, the Earth is going to be moving. The Earth rotates. So either way, something would have moved, and it wasn't. So that, you know, that was it. Um, and then, but overall, I was going to give it a 9.5. That was going to be my score. But I pushed it to a 10 because of the hug at the end. That got me. That, that, that reminded me of the, of the Kirk Spock in Star Trek V where he goes, please, Captain, not in front of the Klingons. Only this time it happened. I loved the hug at the end. So I went with a 10. So our fans gave it a 9.3. And uh, what did the Trexpert, uh score come out to be, Charles? The Trexperts gave it a 9.66, which I'll round to a 9.7. Now we're talking. Oh, so we, we were higher than the fans this week. 
We're higher at the fans this week. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, that, that wraps up our conversation. I'm trying to move it along because I want to get to Prodigy. That's really important. So now we're going to move on to some Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering six members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor Tommy Tiny Lister Jr., who would have had a birthday June 24th. He was the six-foot-five-inch-tall American actor, former uh, professional wrestler, voice artist, and comedian who portrayed Clang in the Star Trek Enterprise first season uh, opener, Broken Bow, the very first Klingon we get to see in that show. He was the second World Wrestling Entertainment superstar to appear on Star Trek, having been preceded by The Rock, who was, of course, on Voyager. And then later, The Big Show showed up as well on Star Trek. Uh, He portrayed two characters in professional wrestling. He wrestled as Zeus uh, in 1989, and he wrestled as Z-Gangsta in 1996, which I think is just a great name. But Lister was probably best known for his role as Debo in Friday and Next Friday, also known for his role as President Lindbergh in The Fifth Element. And he had a couple of major supporting roles in movies like The Setup, Jackie Brown, and Little Nicky. Now, if you still can't picture who this guy is, uh, he was in over 132 films, including 2008's The Dark Knight. He's the guy who was born with a detached retina, and so he's actually blind in his right eye, which sort of droops, and that gives him a unique look that he actually uses to his advantage in movies. He he looks very scary uh, just by kind of giving you the look. Uh, you know, and, and what IMDb says about him is that he may not have been an A-list star, but he was certainly one of Hollywood's most instantly recognizable and busiest character actors until his death in 2020. He was only 62 years old when we lost him. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Tommy Tiny Lister Jr., Also, happy birthday to actor George Murdoch, born in 1930. He was the actor who portrayed God in Jim's favorite movie of all time, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. He also doubled as J.P. Hansen in Next Generation's third and fourth season episodes, The Best of Both Worlds and The Best of Both Worlds Part Two. One of our admirals who is not necessarily evil, I don't think. Um, so, Jim, did you like him better as God or as an admiral? Oh, that's a tough question because Star Trek Five is so awesome. But I think he made a good. I think he made a good admiral. Well, in the pre-production for Final Frontier, uh, director William Shatner originally planned to cast Murdoch for the role of Cord. But when Charles Cooper read for the role, Murdoch was recast for the role of God. So we could have had a Klingon George Murdoch instead, but instead he got cast as God. <laughs> He's probably best known for uh, uh, to fans uh, for his two recurring roles, one as Lieutenant Ben Scallon, 
the uh, internal affairs officer on Barney Miller, and the other as the overstressed and bitter Dr. Salik in the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh, George Murdoch appeared in a couple of television episodes uh, of Seinfeld and Trapper John, M.D., um, but, you know, not extremely prolific, and we lost him all the way back in 2012. So happy birthday and love and remembrances going out to George Murdoch. Actor Clive Church had a birthday this week. Uh, Clive Church is the actor who portrayed Maurice Picard, the original uh, Picard's dad in the Next Generation six-season episode, Tapestry. Uh, this is Clive Church's only known acting performance, and of course, uh, Picard's dad was later to be played by Gaius Baltar. Uh, I mean, James Kelly. (laughs) Happy birthday, Clive Church. (laughs) Happy birthday as well to James Wellman. Uh, James Wellman was the actor who played Professor Starnes in the original series' third season episode, And the Children Shall Lead. If you really want to get me on a soapbox talking about uh, certain Star Trek episodes, talk to me about that one, and uh, I'll get really, really angry. But his first notable television appearance was on the classic series Twilight Zone episode, to serve a man in 1962. He later appeared in two party-themed musical comedies, one called Beach Ball and one called Wild Wild Winter. (laughs) Sounds amazing. Uh, Later on, he actually made three consecutive Desilu appearances, appearing on The Lucy Show, Star Trek, and Mission Impossible. Sometimes people forget that that also was a Desilu production. He did a little TV in the 70s, but not too much after 1975. So James Wellman as Professor Starnes, happy birthday and lots and love, uh, lots of love and remembrances going out to you. Also, lots of love and remembrances going out to actor Gary Pilar. Gary Pilar was also known as Gary Carpenter. He was the actor who portrayed the role of Utan in the original series' second season episode, A Private Little War, one of my personal favorite episodes of TOS. He got his And you know, dude, that's the one where they reference Mbenga and Vulcan. Yes. Oh, that's the one. Okay. That's the one. Yeah, so go check that episode out. You can Uh. get a double dose. Love that episode so much, and I had forgotten that was the Omega episode. Thank you, Paul. Um, so Gary, that episode, also known as Gary Carpenter, got his start on the soap opera Guiding Light and made his real, like, acting punch in Another World, another uh, soap opera. So uh, really famous for soaps, uh, appeared in a couple of other television shows here and there, but Gary Pilar uh, playing Yutan in the original series, second season episode, Private Little War. Happy birthday, Gary. Happy birthday as well to, last but not least, Tony Young. Tony Young was the actor from New York City who played Crichton in the original series, third season episode, Alan of Troyes. Outside of of Star Trek, he also made guest appearances on television series such as The Virginian, Mannix, and Mission Impossible, as well as Fantasy Island, uh, in which he actually appeared with Ricardo Montalban, of course. Uh, and Ricardo Montalban is important. Why? Well, because of Tony Young's wife. That's right. He was married to fellow TOS guest actress Madeline Rue, who played Marla McGivers in 
Space Seed. So it was kind of cool that he got to cross over on Fantasy Island with Ricardo Montalban, which, of course, his wife had played Marla McGivers in Space Seed. And then, um, uh, you know, later Ricardo Montalban making the role even more famous, I feel like, in Star Trek II. <laughs> Um, among his featured film credits are 1964's Taggart, as well as 1969's Charo, and uh, the uh, movie from 1972 black exploitation classic called Black Gun. He retired from acting following a guest appearance on the science fiction series Quantum Leap. Sound familiar? That's right, Scott Bakula. Uh, the captain himself from the original Warp 5 Starship was also on that show. Uh, Tony Young, unfortunately, lost to lung cancer back in 2002. Uh, we do miss him very much. Happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Tony Young. And that is it for our remembrances. So I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle over to Charles. Okay, we better keep a long candle because we got a bunch of birthdays this week. Let's start off with a happy birthday to Bill M- uh, Mondi, who played Jack in, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine 16th episode Armageddon Game. Uh, thought it interesting that he did appear in an episode of Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, where one takes breaks, did some hosting. He's also a voice actor, did work in Johnny Tess, and Transformers Cybertron. Happy birthday to Mary Hodges, writer and comedian who voiced Taz and Moxie in Star Trek's Lower Decks episode, third season, Room for Growth, and Hella Gibson's episode, Crisis Point 2 Paradox. Happy birthday to Renita Scott, Australian actress who also played Admiral Hayes in Star Trek's Next Generation 666 season episode, Realm of Fear. Of course, if it's an admiral, we go to Eric. Mm, I would say not necessarily evil. All right. Had quite a few minor roles in shows like A-Team, Murder, She Wrote, and Golden Girls. Jake Harnes. From Oklahoma, Nebraska, who portrayed Lieutenant Duncan, Star Trek, Voyager, fifth season episode, Relativity, and Agent Wells in Star Trek Picard, second season episode, Monsters and Mercy. A few of our folks might be interested in this. He was once part of the Oregon Shakespearean Festival. Did quite a bit of stage acting and known for minor roles in, show, in some of the CIS and Law and Order series. Happy birthday to David yeah. Gutrexis? I believe it's Gotro. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Gautreaux, stage yeah. actor. Stage actor who was slated to be featured as Lieutenant Zahn in Star Trek's Phase 2. However, the series was canceled and decided to produce, and then when they decided to produce Star Trek the Motion Picture instead, 
He was in recast as Commander Branch of Epsilon Epsilon or X Epsilon Nine Station. Big mouthful there. Giovanni Spina played the Vulcan Sakir in Star Trek Discovery's fourth season episode, Chose to Live and But to Connect. Happy birthday to Hernandez, Cuban actor who played Kaim in Star Trek Discovery's third season episode, Sanctuary. And fourth season episode, Kobayashi Maru. And my last one's a big one, and I'm not going to mention everything he's done. Looking at his IMD, IMDB page, he's done quite a bit. But this person is an American writer, producer, director, and composer who directed, who produced Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, and also, also worked with Star Trek Beyond. Of course, we are speaking of J.J. Abrams. Is Before I get comments on this one, is the first director to have directed both Star Trek films and Star Wars films. Is the only person other than George Lucas to have directed multiple Star Wars films. I thought that's interesting. When I looked on his credits for The Fringe, that TV show, he produced, wrote, posed for the show. A well-rounded and multi-talented person. Before I pass this flaming candle over to Paul, anybody want to comment about J.J. Abrams? Well, Jim has often commented on the fact that he sort of helped save Star Trek, and I subscribe to yeah. that theory. I think I in agree. 2000, I think in 2008, 2009, Star Trek was a little stale. You know, 2005, I think, is when Enterprise ended, and we all were kind of in another world of, uh, oh my God, what's happening with Star Trek? No Trek. Um, do, do people love the Kelvin movies as much as they love the original movies? Maybe not, but I will tell you that those movies absolutely kept the franchise in the consciousness of pop culture, and I think that's valuable. Yep. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I would I think agree. J.J. Abrams gets mentioned a lot as sort of being like the, you know, almost heir apparent to the, the Steven Spielberg style of filmmaking and, and, the, and the style of showmanship, right, in terms of his ability to really identify talent uh, in terms of acting and casting. Really, really great. Um, uh, I think he, he gets a lot of grief for <laughs> things like preposterous trivialities, like, oh, he uses lens flare too much, right? I mean, people love to say that about him, but he's a super intelligent guy, um, really, uh, really insightful and uh, and a huge genre fan man he loves uh science fiction like full tilt so i'm always curious to see what he's got up his sleeves and you can't not mention lost right which i think really cemented his place as like somebody who like is steeped in fantasy and big ensemble casts of, of fresh faces right i mean that's i think a hallmark of jj abrams not a lot of people could recast the trinity of kirk spock and mccoy and pull it off Okay, but J.J. Yeah. Abrams did. That's a huge lift. And I think a lot of other people faced with that would just no way. But we accepted those three 
boom, right out of the gate. So we love you over here, JJ. I think you're a terrific guy, always eager to see what you're going to do next. So a cool dude for sure. Well, when they mentioned he quoted his favorite movies, of them, one I thought was very interesting was the original Star Wars movie. Uh, one of the top of his list. So you can tell the man definitely has his interest in sci-fi. So it's getting a little low, but I'm going to pass this candle over to Paul. All right. Thank you so much, Charles. I know we're uh, trying to be vigilant towards time, so I'm going to move at a little faster pace than uh, I might normally do here. Happy birthday goes out to Dennis Andres, who played mining engineer Rance in Star Trek Discovery first season episode, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Uh, Very cool title. And Dennis, we loved you on that uh, Discovery episode, so great job and happy birthday. Happy birthday goes out also to Nick Londonio, actor, musician, and audio producer who played Lieutenant Callum in the Discovery fourth season episode, all is possible. Happy birthday, sir. And this one's a, a luminary, to be sure, uh, no matter what environment he's in, uh, because on Star Trek Next Generation's second season episode, Manhunt, a lot of people don't realize this cat was in that episode. It's uh, drummer Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, he did a cameo as one of the Antedians, uh, a dignitary, and these guys look like fish. Basically, it's much more like uh, Admiral Akbar than anything else that you would it's see. It's a trap. The, uh, exactly. It's a trap. So Mick Fleetwood, uh, re- unrecognizable for sure. But uh, we see you, Mick. We see you and we know you're part of the uh, of the uh, Star Trek world there. So happy birthday, man. Uh, when are you going on tour again? <laughs> uh, happy birthday also to Amira Vaughn, uh, the actress who played Zani in the Star Trek Picard, first season episode, Absolute Candor. Um, on Star Trek Into Darkness, we're saying hello to Katie. Katie God. Katie and <laughs> Kelly Cockrell. That's a lot of Ks there. Katie and Kelly Cockrell are the twin sisters who played Kaitan twins in Star Trek Into Darkness. Pulled that off, finally. Happy birthday to them both. And happy birthday goes to Terry Serpica, who played Admiral Brett Anderson in the Discovery first season episodes, The Vulcan Hello and Battle of the Biony Stars. I love that first season of Star Trek Discovery. They were so freaking cool then. A lot going on there. Happy birthday goes out to the great Bruce Davidson, Academy Award-nominated American actor who played Jareth in the Voyager third season episode Remember, as well as Menos in the Enterprise second season episode The Seventh. Uh, what a career. Some really cool stuff that Bruce Davidson's done. Uh, really, really interesting cat. Happy birthday also to Derek Partridge, a British actor who played Dionid in the original series third season episode Plato's Stepchildren. Always very cool to watch that episode. A lot of good historical stuff on there. For me, my the one I'm just delighted to be able to celebrate, uh, who's having a birthday here, is the absolutely spectacular actress Alice Krieger, who we know in Star Trek for playing the Borg Queen more times than you can shake a stick we out. We are the Borg. Lower your shield and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve as us. Resistance is futile. 
Alice Krieger, I might just lower my shields for you. Okay? So uh, absolutely amazing. She's, of course, first appeared on Star Trek First Contact. She was in uh, Voyager seventh season episode Endgame, and then just recently uh, lending her talents to the uh, Picard season three finale, The Last Generation, as the Borg Queen again. That voice is unmistakable. Alice Krieger grew up in uh, South Africa, and she has been cranking them out since uh, the early 1980s, first showed up in a couple of movies in 1981, Chariots of Fire and Ghost Story, a prolific talent. She has been in just about everything. Uh, she was in Barfly with Mickey Rourke back in the day, um, just a ton of different things. Awesome Stephen King movie called Sleepwalkers uh, in the early 90s. That's if you haven't seen that so one, good. it's Really, really cool, okay. and she just freaking is in almost every scene and just chews up the scenery like there's no tomorrow. Uh, the Devil's Advocate she was in. She's just done a ton of great work over the years and is still doing great work. Uh, always leaves an indelible impression. Um, I think a tremendous uh, presence in both genre and non-genre uh, movies and television. Um, any chance you get to see Alice Krieger, it's a good thing. So uh, always thrilled to see you in anything uh, out there. I hope you're having a great birthday and uh, feel good about a phenomenal career that's still going strong. How about you? All right, we're going to try to move this along because I definitely want to talk about Prodigy. So we want to say happy birthday to Scott Marlowe, the American actor who played Kivo Fowler in Star Trek The Next Generation's fifth season episode, Ensign Row. We're wishing Olivia Youngers a happy birthday who played Ensign Riggs in the Star Trek Picard third season episode, 17 Seconds and Surrender. We want to say a happy birthday to Sharon Lawrence who played Amelia Earhart in Star Trek Voyager's second season episode, The 37. We also want to wish happy birthday to Peter Weller, Dead or Alive, You're Coming With Me, who played John Frederick Paxton in the Star Trek Enterprise fourth season episode, Demons and Terra Prime. He also played Admiral Alexander Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness. Good Admiral, evil Admiral. What do you think, Eric? Oh man, that one I gotta say is pretty darn evil. Like when you yeah, look he's on evil. the evil scale of admirals, he is near the end of as evil as they get. But the vengeance is an amazing ship. Yep, he's he's evil, but I think he's more well known as Robocop. So happy birthday to Peter Weller. We also want to say happy birthday to Kyrie McAlpin, who was the child actress who voiced the young Michael Burnham in Star Trek Short Treks, The Girl Who Made the Stars. A very interesting episode for sure. We also want to say happy birthday to an awesome actress, uh, actor, uh, Jesse James Cattell, actress, writer, and artist who played Captain Angel in Star Trek Strange New World, first season episode, The Serene Squall. And I hope that we see Captain Angel again because Captain Angel was dating Cybok. I think. Yes. They were. Yes. I think they one were. One of my involved. favorite one of my favorite new characters. I love Jesse James Cartel in this role. Um they were amazing and man, we need you know Jim, I have to admit I was never excited about Cybok until the Serene Squall. 
I hope we see him again. And my last birthday, I saved for last intentionally because we're going to talk about him for a Star Trek role, uh, which everybody's going to know. But he also starred in another movie everybody knows and are totally shocked when they finally make the connection. We want to say happy birthday to Kenneth Marshall, the actor from New York City who's best known to Star Trek fans as Michael <laughs> Eddington. Oh, he's he, so uh, good. He, I he love was so Eddington. Good at being a bad guy. Uh, betrayed Starfleet and went off with the Marquis on oh, yeah, uh, Space Jean Nine. Jean. Ugh, so but, but if you were a kid of the 80s, like I was, and you went to see every movie that came out in the theaters in 1983, um, you went to see Crawl and Michael Eddington, I mean, uh, not Michael Eddington, <laughs> Kenneth Marshall. <laughs> he played Crawl. And when I put that up on the Facebook page, I don't know how many people are shocked because their 1983 brains never made that connection. What? But, yeah, he was. He played Crawl. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. And we kind of rushed through it a little bit because uh, there's one particular story that I think warrants discussion, and we're going to get to that right now. Uh, before we do that, though, before Eric does that, we do have a caller on the line, and I'm going to – I'm going to see if I can get this thing to work here. Come on. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Kablam, my brothers. What's up, Ray? What's up, Ray? Ray? Kablam, my brothers. How you guys doing? Doing good, man. What did you think about this week's episode, man? Let's talk about Pike. Yo, yo, I know. I, I didn't see. You know, I, I gotta be. I got. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna see Lily up tonight. I just got home. Uh, I just got home just now. Cause like I said, I'm on vacation right now from school. I'm most. I'm out of school right now. So I'm on, I'm on vacation right now. I, I, I know. So I, 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 I just came back to see. You know, you know, uh, to see my moms. I just walk back and I'm getting. I'm getting to glue myself with the damn TV in a few minutes. But I mean, you know, what I'm saying a few minutes. A few minutes. A few minutes, a few minutes I mean, I mean, let me call you guys up and see how you guys doing. Oh, we're doing great, Ray. We're doing absolutely wonderful. We've got Star Trek to talk about. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we got a little to talk about. We got yep. a little to talk about. Nothing but the best. <laughs> How's things down in the Bronx? Yo, put it this way. Everybody, like I said, I've been, I've been gone all day cause, because um, the last day of school was on Tuesday, right? The day Thursday, so, you know, so I was home. All day, you know, seeing my house all day, cleaning my house all day yesterday, right? And then, and then I turned around, to, so I went to see my mom today, and I and like and like I already got two, I already got two hours to save, so I'm gonna sit down a few minutes and watch a few minutes, and that's it before. And then Corey got to see what's going on. Well, we appreciate your calling, Ray, and I think you're really gonna enjoy Star Trek tonight. Yes. Oh okay, yeah. Um, one more thing, guys. Um. Forgive me, forgive me for doing this, but I did like a little party on freaking um, Amazon, and I found some stuff oh. I have that I'm trying, I'm trying to make you, I'm trying to make you remember. Now, you talking about core, right? You talking about Ken, Ken Marshall yep. was in such um, talking about core, you talking about core, right? You talking about Ken Marshall, right? Ken Marshall, right? And core, yeah, when he was in Star Trek. Yes, yes, one of the, uh, he was done with the Marquis in Georgia. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 
Okay, for this one, guys, I got some stuff from back in the days you would not believe. I'm, I'm going to run through a little bit, a little bit quick. I went back to the 70s area, right? I went and got um, space, space 1999 on Blu-ray. A, a classic. Yes. And Captain Scarlet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, it, me, was it, um, the vision, the vision, um, the turtle, you know, the vision, the turtle cartoon got that. I don't That's think I remember that one. That's so far. That's so far. You know I me. Mean? I'm a collector. You know I me. Mean? I'm a collector. So this week, right? I know this week's gotta be good. Good. I, I got to go some. I'm saying I'm getting. I'm getting some to eat right quick in my house, right? And I'm gonna sit there and pop myself on the TV right now for the next two hours and do my thing. Excellent. Excellent. Oh yeah. By the way, Uncle Jim, you're about Yankees, right? Yep. The Yankees, right? Yep. The, the, yo, that was unbelievable, man. I cannot believe he did that. Ray, I love it when you talk about the Yankees because, honestly, brother, <laughs> like, you're, ta- you're talking to Mets and Red Sox fans, man. So, like, what are we supposed Wait, to say? You're a Red Sox fan now? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me run this back. You been telling me you're an ex Red Sox fan now? Ain't nobody on this podcast a Yankees fan. Well, I don't, well excuse, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I'm the only one. So <laughs> you're the only one, man. I'm the only one. Yo, 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 Everybody, I'll just, I'll, 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 all you guys are fans, right? I'm, I'm the only Yankees fan out here. So I turned around to him, I said, you know what? I like a brace on that. You know what? But, I mean, you know, at least we got a shot. So put it this way. You, put this way, you, you owe me a drink, right? If you guys win, I owe you a drink. How's that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, yep, if I anybody agree. if anybody catches the rays in our division, I'll owe you a drink. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm not uh, you know, I'm I'm a Mets fan and I'm like, you know, I'd, I'd cross the street to avoid a Yankee game. But the Yankee guy, uh German, he like threw a perfect game. He, he threw did. a perfect game. Oh, yeah, actually, did not, yeah, which is very I did not expect that. I that's amazing, man. So I got to give props to that guy, right? Because Domingo yeah. threw it great, but you know, it's nice to you know, nice to see that happen. But I would rather watch the Mets any day of the week. Right? Exactly. But, what are you going to do? You know, you got to be true to your school. You know. Well, but, uh, um, hey Ray, do you watch? Uh, do you watch Prodigy, Ray? Do you watch Star Trek Prodigy? Yeah, I wish I like once in a while. I wish I like once in a while. You know, they say they say um the lower decks. You know, it's like I don't know the lower 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 is animated, but it's like to me, it's like I'm not too sure. It's kind of like it's kind of like you know, have the same problem watching on Discovery. The same problem. It's like it's like I can feel it. But I mean, it's not like the same how it was like you know all this time. It's not the same. You know what I'm saying? It's not the same. You know what I'm saying? But you know, anyway. Oh, wait, 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 guys, 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 one more thing. Remember, Friday come on Friday. Yeah, Jones come on Friday tomorrow. Oh, that's right, tomorrow. 
People back up the things and the yo know, the teaser the, the teaser sold the hell out. It sold out. So so so, so no, I, I gotta wait a while for that. One. I gotta wait a while for that one. Like I say, I'm home for two months until September. But I say I'm not working this summer. I'm home for two months. I'm good. I'm good. All right, thanks, All right. Ray. Thanks a lot, Ray. No problem. I'll, yeah, I'll cook that next week because I got recover. I, I got another plan, but I'm, I'm gonna wait next week to call the guy next week on this one. Right, I got, we'll I got a plan. And by the way, happy Fourth of July, man. Hey, you too, Ray. You too. Have fun, man. Have a good time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Confront Independence Day. All right, guys. Enjoy. Away from the Bronx, and uh, Ray is a Yankee fan, but we don't hold that against him. And uh, we're going to move right on to our Star Trek news, and I think we're just going to talk about this one story for the rest of the night. Uh, Eric, you want to fill our listeners in? Uh, I do, but I don't, Jim, because Star Trek Prodigy has been canceled by Paramount+. Plus. What? You're saying to yourself, no. No, Eric, this can't possibly be true, but uh, unfortunately, it is, you guys. Seasons 1 and 2 are being shopped to other networks. The Paramount Global Backstreamer has canceled Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies after a single season, reversed its decision on a system on a season 2 pickup for the animated and kid-focused Star Trek Prodigy axed competition series queen of the universe after two seasons and next the game revival after two seasons Ooh, sounds like a lot of loss additionally all four shows will be removed from paramount plus and we have actually already seen this for star trek prodigy as the conglomerates join disney and warner brothers in taking tax write-offs for underperforming series Star Trek Prodigy was renewed for Season 2 in November 2021, if you are tracking that is more than a year ago, and was a key push by franchise captain Alex Kurtzman to introduce the property to a younger generation. The series will complete post-production on Season 2 of Prodigy, and producers, CBS Studios, will shop both seasons to a new buyer. After the news broke, Prodigy and other Trek creatives have started to express their thoughts on social media. Dan and Kevin Hageman said, uh, Star Trek has taught my brother and me to strive for a better future. While news of Star Trek Prodigy not returning to Paramount Plus is disappointing, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, who knows what that means. Uh, Jason Warnicke says, nobody is more resilient, optimistic, and focused on your craft than the two of you. Uh, presumably the Hageman brothers are being referenced here. And not many have known you both since we were kids making films together like me. Love you both, and I am confident this amazing show finds a new home. Aaron J. Waltke, who we have, of course, had on the podcast here, says, in a world of deep uncertainty, I choose joy. I can feel radical 
to reject – it can feel radical to reject cynicism, to try every day to make the world a tiny bit better. Hope is a tool. It can be a battery, a shield, or a weapon, and it can be used in service of others. We build a road stone by stone. Uh, Aaron, hope is what we need now, right, man? Right now, man. Thank you so much. Julie Benson says, uh, absolutely gutted. Star Trek Prodigy was an utter joy to be part of creating with the Brothers Hageman and Star Trek Prodigy's writing room. Uh, and I hope that this beautiful show finds its way across the universe to another platform to boldly go into hearts and minds forever, live long and prosper. Terry Metalis actually said, my heart goes out to our brilliant Star Trek prodigy brothers and sisters. Here is hoping the protostar finds a new home soon. And Riley Alazarqui says, some of the best days were recorded for Star Trek Prodigy and being with the family of all involved. We are holding our heads up high with hopes of finding a new home. And so it seems to me, you guys, that nobody was really aware that Star Trek Prodigy was on the chopping block. It's a sucker punch. Total yeah, sucker really. punch. It feels like the biggest sucker punch that yeah. Star Trek has actually given us uh, in the last, what, 25 years or something? Yeah. Uh, it's awful. Let's talk. Yeah, about I would say right on the heels of uh, you know Enterprise being canceled, which I think you know you could smell at least coming maybe for a season or two, as sad as it was, right? But this is just out of the blue, and it's just it's. Uh, and you just quoted Riley Alizraki. That's uh, that's uh, the voice of Rock Talk. Just making sure that uh, she gets credit there because she's just mm-hmm. awesome and just yeah. been kind of in a lot of ways the heart of that show. Um, I, I just think it's a it's a it's a crazy uh, brand de- destructive move, right? I mean, because Paramount Plus threw themselves into the you know launching that whole network with it's all the home of Star Trek, all shows together, right? And uh, and to just you know unceremoniously knock it out you know, when they're still wrapping up season two and, and not only not air it, but to just pull it from the show, pull it from the network. Right. That's just nuts. So it's like, you can't watch it anymore. It's just yanked out right out of the gate and just absolutely terrible news. And so it's going to cause a lot of uh, distrust uh, amongst the fan community, I suspect, because if you're, it, it's just a really ham-fisted, greedy. If, if you're doing this for tax reasons, I would say shame on you, right? You're the wrong person who should be running uh, a streamer. You know, you, you certainly don't back your creatives. And I'm like, this is a, a terrible move. So, uh, what do other people think? Well, I think that, of all, like you said. Paramount Plus has advertised themselves as the home of Star Trek. So what what did they do? They they end Discovery and push it out a whole year, which which was crazy to begin with. Cut it from 15 episodes to 10. So not only did they end it, but they cut it in a third and then moved it out of here, and then follow that on the heels of canceling Prodigy and removing it and if they did do it for tax purposes, you will never see the next the part two of Prodigy on Blu-ray or DVD because no. they've written it off, and we will never, yep. ever, ever see 
season two ever because if they wrote it off as a tax write-off, they can't they can't profit from it. So you won't see it on another network. You won't see it anywhere. It's just going to go away. Paramount would do that to Star Trek because it Jim, doesn't it make any me, sense. It makes me long for the days when I would actually set up my VHS to record episodes, right? Because little did we know that as we were watching the second half of the season, we were watching it for the one and only time that it would actually be aired. Exactly. Exactly. People are saying they're going to buy the Blu-ray if, and this is where we're going to find out. We'll find out the truth. The truth is out there, and we'll find it out soon. If part two of season one, those ten episodes, don't make it to Blu-ray and DVD relatively soon, what's the turnaround? Less than six months. Six right? months. For a movie. Max. Yeah, about six. yeah. Yeah, max. It's a lot faster now. Date, These days it's quick. Yeah, they don't set a release time for the part two of season one. It's done. And if they wrote it off as a, as a tax deduction, they can't profit off of it because instead of taking a profit, they took a loss. And so it will never resurface. You won't see well, it on we'll Netflix. We'll see. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that can happen, and I, I, would, I would not say never. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of creative folks out there, and especially if you're shopping a show, there's all kinds of package deals that can be made. Um, I just want to say one thing uh, to anybody listening on this uh, topic here, because it sucks that they got robbed, right? That they got – nothing we can do about it, but it, it totally sucks. But I would say that where they really failed doubly in this whole game is not – you know, to show their inability to show. And maybe it was because they sort of like doing this weird half and half distribution thing with Nickelodeon and they got confused and, oh gosh, we can't do two things at once. We're not smart enough. But it's like, if you, I think a lot of fans just for whatever reason did not yet discover Prodigy. And if you're one of those fans and you never had a chance to check this out, find a way somehow to check it out and see what you can find. Watch it. It is a dynamite show. It is easily one of the best Star Trek uh, arms of the franchise in, in quite a few years. It's fresh. It's creative. It is not just a kid show. Okay. I think I, that's cannot be said enough. It's got tarred with that brush. Kids love it. It's an awesome family show uh, that you can watch on all levels of the household together. But it's super smart, great writing, superbly well cast, and just really freshly engaging characters, uh, including Admiral Janeway, who's back, right, in, in several different yeah. incarnations on this show. If you're a, if you're a Voyager fan, Woo! You, really, you really can't afford to miss this because it's almost like a Voyager sequel in terms of a lot of the things that are going on here. It's smart. It's clever. The, uh, the Hagemans and, and Walkie have made something really just extremely good. And you, you really are missing it at your peril. Um, I think it's just a colossal screw-up and foobar that Paramount Plus did not know how to market this thing to help it find the larger audience it deserves. Really inept work, P plus. Yeah. So you you really dropped the ball here. Um, a lot of us are going to have a really hard time trusting you to make smart decisions. Here, here. I mean, when I go up and down and look at the, you know, like the, I'll pick next gen. Right. Well, I go through and look at the episode write-ups that are on there. You're trying to say which one will I watch, and you're looking at the, like the the summaries on there. It's just typos galore. 
okay, uh, of, of poor grammar and unnecessary apostrophes. And there's still a couple episodes that haven't been uploaded. You uh, have from, a sophisticated audience. Yeah, you know, there's, still, there's still episodes that are there that are not the, like the old versions, not the high-def remastered versions. They, they, they don't even catch that. It's the crown jewels of your freaking network. Get it together and have a little bit more respect for your audience who has been loving Star Trek for, you know, 50 years. Because if you don't, P-plus, we're not going to have any respect for you. And we'll happily take our business elsewhere. So and true. stick with and physical you know, media. Uh, you know, Paul, they also, they said that they were going to have new Star Trek all year round. And originally, they had five shows. They had Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Prodigy, Lower Decks. We had new Star Trek for how many consecutive weeks, Eric? I mean, it was crazy. 40, it, was, almost, it was something like 48 or 49 or something, yeah. Right. So now, in the blink of an eye, we lost Picard, we lost Prodigy, we lost Discovery. We're down to two shows, Lower Decks and Strange New World. And, and we have to wait a whole year for Discovery. How are they going to fill those holes? I don't know, but if they just if they get rid of uh, uh, the other two, they're not going to take any more of my donut money. Yeah, if I'm uh, exactly. if I'm part of the production crew for um, Lower Decks, I'm super nervous. Yeah. Okay, because it's like you're you're the next kind of redheaded stepchild that not everybody gets, right? And it's pretty funny, and I think they have a pretty good audience, but still, uh, uh, it's you know if if you're gonna if you're gonna cut. Prodigy, I can I can easily see the same kind of you know uh, ham-fisted you know short-sightedness uh, go out to that and cleave that off and say oh we'll take the money and we'll put it into like you know Star Trek Legacy or whatever right I mean there's just be, it's just fumbling management going yeah, on yeah and it's and, and it's and it's inconsistent with the vision that we have been promised all along I mean the 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 vision that we have been promised is that we will get a you know, Star Warsian integrated universe that all the shows kind of work together. They all form a consistent timeline. They they have interesting stories that keep us engaged and that kind of stuff. And I will tell you that on this podcast we have we have praised Star Trek Prodigy so much because it is an excellent way to introduce kids to the concepts of the Federation, to the utopian like yeah. No, without guys, being strictly a kid show, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really smart. I can I can understand if it was like a mediocre show that was like poorly written, it wasn't very good. That you're like, yeah. Ugh, prodigy, but it's like it's really good. So take advantage of that quality and uh, and help people find it instead of like not being smart enough to recognize what you have. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically like taking you know. Uh, you know, potential revenue and throwing it out the window because you're not smart enough to know how to spend it or invest it. Right. So to me, it's 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 really uh, concerning because it's it says a lot more than like you're not being able to recognize this show. You it's know, it says you're, you're just gains over long term uh, growth, right? Yeah, if your decision making capabilities are not to be trusted, it's uh, it's, it's very nervousing, very you know nerve wracking and just annoying as hell. So I'm glad we got to talk about this to because it is important, right? And uh, letter writing campaigns and social media stuff have have certainly influenced uh, Star Trek in the past. Maybe something like that will help 
things things here. If I'm Hulu, though, I'm making some phone calls to the Hagemans right away. I'm like, hey, you, you, know, believe it. you know, it's just like, hey, you know, I know we've been competing strongly against you for quite a while, but we'd love to add you to our suite of programming here, you know? HBO's probably look at I mean look at what the success HBO's had with all of the DC animation over the last couple of years. I mean DC, HBO's a bit of a train wreck now with the freaking Discovery merger happening. So who knows if that'll continue? But point being, there's a lot of other homes out there, you know, including like Apple TV that recognize good quality programming and have a fondness for science fiction. So some I don't think it's that we should be you know uh, you know bringing the uh, orchids to the funeral yet, right? Or whatever freaking flowers you bring to the yeah. funeral. <laughs> I think somebody's going to be smart enough because just because these guys at, at uh, Paramount are stupid, it doesn't mean everybody else is. There's plenty of smart cats out there. And, uh, uh, you know, if you can't, uh, you know, let's just see what happens. I'm optimistic. Like, I like what Aaron says. Plus, well, Amazon's, been, Amazon's been the host of a lot of Star Trek when Paramount wasn't around internationally. Yep. So Amazon's maybe out there, too. Yeah, and Amazon picked up The Expanse when The Expanse lost their home mid-series, mid, mid right? They were like, oh, I like science fiction. I've got a few extra billion dollars, sure. You know, I mean, you're absolutely right. I could totally see Amazon going for it. You might see Disney do it, too. Though they're they're kind of the same, you know, flinchy rule book, you know, that, uh, that P-plus is, too, where they're not necessarily making the, the best decisions because you know they 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 just haven't made the best decisions over the last couple of years. So annoying, but it's it's it. I think agree with Jim. It's the one story that we should be talking about this week, right? Is is uh, it's is, a big let's deal. not bury and it. Let's praise it. The biggest thing is that well, if so, you have to go back to the tax write-off because legally, if they write it off. It, it can't go. It can only go in the ground, just like Batgirl with Warner Brothers. If they take the tax write-off, it's a done deal. There's no shopping it. It's done. So if they decide to put it on another network instead, is that better for Paramount? I think it makes them look worse because now the home of Star Trek isn't the home of Star Trek. Now CBS is putting Star Trek somewhere else, so now fans have to subscribe to something else to well and what it, and what it does Jim, it, it is doesn't it look rebrands, good for the studio no it rebrands the show from a star trek show to a quote kids show right that's the only possible pivot they can make here so it's right. unfortunate because it deserves to be a star trek show and not a kid show as paul said now, let me ask a question. Uh, this, I was thinking about this earlier. When, when Prodigy was for you guys remember way long ago when we heard about Prodigy, it was originally going to come out on Nickelodeon. In fact, Nickelodeon's at the beginning of the show, and it's produced by Nickelodeon. And then in the 12th hour, we found out it was going to premiere on Paramount Plus first and then go to Nickelodeon, right? Remember? Way back yeah. in the day? Yeah. Okay. So my question, and I don't have cable. I cut the cord, so I don't know this. I'm counting on you guys. Is Star Trek Prodigy still showing on Nickelodeon? Couldn't tell you. But if, yeah, you know, I don't have cable. I don't do on, cable either, man. No so idea. Yeah. yeah. 
So depending depending on the agreement that Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon made, and I have no idea what it is, if if Prodigy is still showing on Nickelodeon, then we you might actually see season two show up on Nickelodeon based on the agreement that they had, which I don't know what it was because I never watched uh, cable. You might you might see it there because, like Eric said, it's classified as a children's show. So they might use that as a way to get around it and put it on Nickelodeon. You should, um, but you have to remember that Nickelodeon is a paramount is a parent. Uh, Nickelodeon is a, is a uh, is their parent is Paramount. So yeah, you can still. See Nickelodeon stuff on Paramount Plus, so it's still the parent it, company. It's confusing. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens. Confusing. You know, I mean, we just no, got to uh, sit back and see. But I was, I was pissed when they, when it was three days, three days after the announcement, it was gone from Paramount Plus. Well, and the History. worst part about it was that then they released the Strange New Worlds new episode on Wednesday to sort of like placate people, and then they took it away. I mean, it was just like it was a disaster. Yeah, they they released Strange New World a, a day early to, to to make people happy, and then decided no and pulled that back too. Ridiculous. Hmm. You could you know, know, I don't like to trust uh, people show. with knee jerk behavior. Right? It's just like it's, it's you know it's what. Not that's not who you want to follow. We are always being accused on this podcast of being paid by Paramount and that we're part of this agenda. And I'll tell you what, if I was being paid by Paramount and was part of this agenda, none of this would be happening. That's how you know that we're not part of the agenda because Star Trek would hmm. be a lot different if Paramount came to me and said, hey, Jim, what do you think we should do? This wouldn't be my choice, you know. So Paramount's listening, go to trektalking.com, reach out to me, and I'll straighten you out, and we'll get everything back on track again. Because what you're doing is crazy with a capital K. You know what I'm saying, guys? That's right. Mm -hmm. Peace out. Peace out. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) So... Uh, what we're going to do, we, I had a lot of Star Trek stories lined up for this week, guys. We're just going to push them to next week. So everything we were going to talk about on tonight's show that you see listed there, I'm just going to push it to next week. So we'll still get around to all the stuff we were going to mention. We'll just do it next week. So, you know, I want to say thank you uh, to um, <clears throat> Ray for calling in from the Bronx, and congratulations to the Yankees. So uh, there you go, Ray. You never thought that would come out of my mouth, did you? So uh, thanks for calling, Ray. <laughs> Not on. The world's coming to an end. Holy, holy It hell. is. It's over. <laughs> and I also want to say thank you to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Eric. You better believe it. Thanks, guys. Yankees suck. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thank you so much to David for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks. It was very fun. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out with us. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Enjoyed myself. And thank you so much to Paul, who sounds spectacular this week. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> My pleasure, man. We had a lot of fun tonight. Um, we got all fired up. So good stuff. Uh, I'm going to go watch uh, this week's new 
Strange New Worlds and hey. chew about that. So there we go. I'm really excited to talk about it next week because Star Trek goes to Vermont. That's right. Mm-hmm. They come to Vermont. Why? I don't know, but they did. I can't wait to talk to you guys about All it. All right, so, man. Anyways, Color me intrigued. We will talk week. soon, Green Mountain. <laughs> that will be next week. So head on right, over peace to our out. Facebook. Tell us where you're, where you're listening from. We'd love to hear from you guys. Please remember to stay safe and be good to each other. And Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, good night, everyone. Long stay prosper. safe. Be well. Let's see what's out there. Engage.